This is the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, where you'll hear about many aspects of law in England and Wales with special guests, industry experts, and local charities. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello, and welcome to the Legal Lounge, where we now release new episodes every Monday. If you haven't heard previous shows, there's plenty of content for you. If you're going through a divorce, want to know more about claiming for injuries, or you're training to be a lawyer, you can listen to these shows on your favourite podcast app and get more information by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this podcast, personal injury solicitors Dawn Humphreys and Alexander Spanner talk to Dan Mosley about his spinal injury and how he is thriving after the accident. Hi, I'm Dawn and I'm here with Alex today and we're here to talk with Dan Mosley. We're really privileged to have had you as a client and worked alongside you in your uh, your litigation journey, which I'm really delighted to note that is uh, has come to a satisfactory conclusion. So Dan, could you possibly just give us a brief background as to how the accident happened? Around five years ago, I attended a trampoline park with my girlfriend at the time and another couple. I was in there for around half an hour, 40 minutes, something like that. And I tried most of the pieces of equipment in in the trampoline park. I then went on one of the trampolines and attempted a, a double front flip into this foam pit and didn't go far enough. And when it happened, and I, I, I didn't know what had happened at that time, I just sort of landed and lost all feeling, couldn't move whatsoever. And in that moment, I knew exactly how serious it was. It just didn't, I knew it wasn't right. And a woman who worked there, she came up to me and asked me how I was. I just sort of explained, look, I can't move. And they obviously knew how serious it was at the time as well. And she asked me a bit about myself, who I was. And I said, well, I'm a bit of a joker. And she said, tell me your best joke. I said, look, this isn't the place. I, I don't want to be making jokes. She wanted to make me as calm as possible. So I said, did you hear about the cow with 12 nipples? Sounds funny, doesn't it? I think that sums me up as a person, really, that even in the worst moment of my life, I was still trying to make people laugh. Your future career path makes a lot of sense at this point, Dan. Like if, you, if you can pull it out at that point, I think any, any crowd you're going to be up against is going to be, um, is going to be putty in your hands, really. <laughs> what happened thereafter? So you're taken off to specialist hospitals, weren't you? Yeah, at that point, I was taken in an ambulance to Stoke Hospital. I really deteriorated quite quickly then. I got pneumonia really bad. And so the first two weeks after my accident with it, were very, very difficult because it's hard enough being completely paralyzed and and immobile in bed, but then to struggle to breathe as well at that point was a massive, massively hard for me, especially when they put me on a ventilator and put me in a coma. For me, being on a ventilator, not being able to talk was the biggest issue for me because I've got such a big mouth. (laughs) Oh dear. Well, we we certainly um, enjoy talking to you. So thankfully, the incredible doctors and physiotherapists and occupational therapists they they weaned me off this ventilator. Then, after around two months in Stoke, I was then taken to a specialist spinal hospital in Oswestry, where I could complete all my rehab and sort of learn to live 
life again in a wheelchair and I was really looking forward to, to, to doing that because I'm quite an upbeat person and it wasn't easy and they certainly told me a lot of things that I wouldn't be able to do when I got to Oswestry but I, I like to think that I proved them all wrong in every way that I could um, by just sort of learning to get dressed, pushing a wheelchair, everything like that. They they said I, I wouldn't be able to feed myself, just a simple things like that but thankfully um, I pr- prove my consultants wrong by doing that and that, that's real that's a real testament to your character to be honest and that sort of resilience and hard work and dedication that you've got had to your rehabilitation journey and obviously to the specialists at the robert jones as well so i, I know having come to visit you at home that you you've managed to get adaptations to your property so do you want to tell us a little bit about that and how that's assisted you as well yeah so when i was in hospital we always had um on the farm, there was a bed and breakfast next door to my mum and dad's house. And as soon as I had my accident, we sort of knew that this would be perfect for me because it's all on one level, sort of like a bungalow. But it was split into three or four bedrooms at the time. It was so it wasn't it wasn't ready for me at all. But we sort of knew that that's where I would live because it was the most ideal part we wouldn't have to have any lifts or anything but we knew it would be a massive job in building it for excess all my accessible needs really and so thankfully we got a grant off the council and a um, charity called rabbi which is an agricultural charity for for farmers like myself they gave us a lot of money to fund the building of this place to make sure there's a kitchen all on my level so I can do a lot of cooking, although I don't do a great deal of cooking. <laughs> I didn't before my accident anyway. Right. <laughs> some some things don't change, Dan, do they? <laughs> exactly. But I do as much as I can. And there's a wet room, which is massively important because a lot of people in my position, when they come out of hospital, they don't have a wet room. So just something as simple as a shower and a bathroom, uh, they can't, they don't have that. And so I feel very lucky and privileged to have that every morning that I can just go to the toilet and have a shower like a normal human being. It's, it's massive. And a lot of people, they, they have these accidents at age 40, they have to go and live with their parents and get sort of like bed baths in their own house. And it's, it's, it's no way to live. And so I'm very grateful to have that. And just, yeah, it's all all flat for me here. And so, yeah, I just feel so lucky to have it. That's amazing. And that, that, that independence is really important, isn't it? I think when I popped in to see you during the course of your litigation, um, I noticed you've got, was it a tri-bike that attaches to your, um, your wheelchair so that you're able to go into the village and over the farm? And uh, did I see that you'd, you'd been on the quad bikes as well? So do you want to tell us a bit about sort of the aids and equipment that uh, assist you towards that independence as well, Dan? Yeah, so when I was uh, in hospital, I have a massive, I have a great support network all my young farmer friends they rate they did a bike ride for me and raised nearly twenty thousand pounds for me for all the equipment that i would need in my life really and so that went towards my wheelchair that i have now and the the tri-bike that dawn mentioned so that basically just hooks up to the front of my wheelchair just with a little bracket and it goes quite high speeds really so i can just because it's quite hilly around where I live and it does really well to get up some of these banks. And I was known once 
to actually topple over. And thankfully, some very kind people in the village managed to pick me back up and pop me back on my chair. Yeah, not only that, I've got a standing frame as well, an Oswestry standing frame, which means I can stand up every day, which I do for around two hours. Good for my health and fitness that I can do that. I have been on the quad bike. Maybe um, my mum wasn't so pleased about that, but uh, with a bit of help from my sister and my brother, lifted me onto the quad bike and I managed to drive around the farm. In fact, some of the doctors that uh, used to look after me in hospital saw me jump on this quad bike and they were quite horrified really. <laughs> well, I bet they're doing their own risk assessments on you on that though yes I can imagine they would be horrified Dan but good on you though good on you I've seen some of your TikTok videos Dan so I I, I have seen one in particular that involves a bike so do you want to tell us about how your sort of your your stand-up comedy and your TikTok career came in, into fruition um, I don't know, Alex, have you got any questions as well before we move on well, to the media aspects of uh, Dan's life? Well, on that point, actually, Dan, have you ever Googled yourself out of interest? <laughs> I think I have. Or what, I, I, it's not something I do daily, but it is something I I understand it, it's more few and far times. between. Um, you'll be pleased to know that your occupation as listed on Google is internet personality. So... Uh, in terms of what you can sort of talk about with regards to your social media, uh, 90,000 followers on Instagram, uh, 584,000 followers on TikTok, of which 47.6 million likes. What made you sort of want to go into the social media, stand-up, TikTok? What, what sort of made you consider doing that sort of thing? Well, I mean, I think TikTok got quite popular during COVID. I was quite bored. I just thought, I kept saying to my friends, oh, I could easily go viral on TikTok, but I just, I, I, I'd be too embarrassed to do it. And uh, they said, just just do it. And so, yeah, because we were all stuck in indoors, we didn't really know what to do. I just started making a few little videos and they, they started racking up quite a few views. And I just continued from there, really. Every so often I come up with a new idea and one of my favorite ones that Dawn did mention that I did with my sister on a bike where she sort of bought me a bike and said, look, stop being so ungrateful, at least try. And obviously with me being in a wheelchair and being paralyzed, I can't ride a bike. It's not actually me in the bike. As as everyone has who has seen the video, it, it does look like me, but actually we dressed my sister up in my clothes to be my stunt double. And so she just sort of falls off this bike and everyone thought it was me. But I'm not stupid enough to risk my own, uh, <laughs> risk myself getting injured. So that's what we did. But I'm really a lighthearted guy and I don't take life too seriously. And like I said earlier, even when I had my injury on that on that awful night, the worst, worst day of my life, I was still making a joke, even though obviously I didn't want to. But... I think that's the best way to get through life is just to just have a laugh really and don't take it too seriously. And then from from my TikTok, although I enjoy it, I I laugh in real life uh, a lot more than I do online. And so last year I started just trying out stand up comedy. I thought right, I've got to go for it because if I don't try it, I'll I'll regret it for the rest of my life. And so I sort of messaged a few people and yeah I got got a five to seven minute routine ready it's a lot different to my 
TikTok, more personal maybe. And yeah, I, I've kept doing it and it gives me a massive thrill. There's no bigger pressure than trying to make people laugh, but uh, it's, it's a pressure I, I enjoy. Any gigs coming up, Dan? Anything you want to promote whilst you're here? I've had some bad experiences with uh, a few gigs. Some are massive, massive theatres, and some are a lot smaller where you're in pubs. And I've told people on a few occasions, oh yeah, come along. And there's been about three people in a pub and it's been absolutely terrible. So comedy is so strange. You can either get the biggest crowd in a theatre somewhere or you'll get three people in a pub who didn't even know there was a comedy gig going on. So I tend not to tell people too much. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm quite early on in my career, so I'm just trying to get as much experience as possible, whether that's to three people or a theatre of a hundred. I just take what I Edinburgh can get, Edinburgh really. Fringe Festival, uh, Dan. Make sure we get tickets to come and see you. <laughs> Definitely. I, that is one thing I'll be uh, looking out for next year. Fantastic. Well, we wish you every, every success with that for a start and did I, did I hear correctly that you you were interviewed for was it bargain hunts as well was that uh, is that something that's on the cards as well yeah so it, in my time obviously with having quite a lot of followers on tiktok and instagram i've been approached to be on a few tv shows and um family fortunes and um one on bbc i think it is it oh i've forgotten the name of it now but i've been approached for a few but one um more recently is Bargain Hunt. And we're now, well, we've we've had a, a Zoom call with them and it sounds like we've been picked to be in the in the one of the groups this month to uh do it in Utoxeter. So we just have to be confirmed uh for that. But yeah, me and my mum should be uh bargain hunting. I know nothing about antiques, but I really think it will be a good laugh. Yeah, I think me and my mum would make a really good uh double act on television. The benefit of bargain hunt Dan, I can't say I've watched an episode live in a while, but the benefit is you're spending other people's money. So at worst if you get it wrong, it's not really much of an effect on you. So <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. No, definitely not. I'm not I'm not afraid of uh spending other people's money especially if it's on uh, antiques <laughs> before my accident i was a very uh, active person i did, was very competitive and even though i've had this very severe disability i've tried to do as many things that i used to do before my accident i still do a lot of public speaking competitions with young farmers club i still go and watch stoke city football club i'm a massive fan i'm a season ticket holder so i go home and away as as uh, much as possible and so i one thing i would say to anyone who is in my position is that even if you can't do the things you could do before try your best to do them just in a different way Thanks to Dawn, Alex and Dan for a really interesting, humorous discussion. If you have a legal issue you'd like me to put to our team to cover in an upcoming episode, please let me know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, please remember to follow or subscribe on your app so you're notified of new releases when they come out every Monday. Speak to you next week. That was the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.